You are listening to the Simple Tricks and Nonsense Podcast. A lot of simple tricks and nonsense. And now your hosts, Robert and Kyle. Hello and welcome to show 6.5 of the Simple Tricks and Nonsense podcast. Uh, Robert here just kind of, uh, just it's kind of a filler episode. Um, Kyle's been very busy. In fact, he's going to be gone all week to, um, I don't know, some camp or something. So we won't be able to get together and record show 7 for at least another week. I uh, I did, however, have the opportunity to interview uh, Chris Mocked, the director, writer, and producer of the Star Wars documentary *The Force Among Us*, and uh, it turned out to be a, a a real fun interview to to uh, to do. I was uh, a little bit nervous as this was my first, um, you know, major interview that I've done. Uh, but it, you know, he was he was a blast to talk to. It turned out to be about 20 minutes long, and uh, uh, as many times as he's been. Uh, interviewed, uh, I actually managed to ask him one that he said hadn't been asked of him yet, so uh, that was kind of cool. Also, if you would like, um, I know we have some voicemails and feedback that we've gotten since the last show, but um, I'm going to wait and until until show seven to play those, because uh, I know Kyle would like to hear all, all the feedback, but if you'd like to... Um, uh, give us some feedback so it can be read or played or whatever in the next show. Um, you can send us a voicemail in, uh, the number is 252-557-1694. And, uh, unless you live in Eastern North Carolina, you're probably going to have to, uh, dial a one in front of that. Um, <clears throat> and also you can send us an email, uh, the address is comments at stanpodcast.com. That's comments at stanpodcast.com. Uh, you can join our forums. There's a link on our site. Um, the site's www.stanpodcast.com, stanpodcast.com. There's a link to our forums there. Um, also, there's a little uh, side widget feature that you can uh, leave a voicemail or a message uh, directly to the site, and um, a few people have already done that. Dark Castle seventy five, Corson Cast, and uh, my little brother. Um, we'll probably play Corson Casts and Dark Castles in the next show, as well. And uh, anyway, I'll uh, go ahead and play the interview now. I'm Robert. I'm here today with uh, Chris Mocked, the director, writer, and producer. Is that correct? Yes. Of the Star Wars documentary, The Force Among Us. I uh, appreciate you being here today with uh, doing this interview with me. Hey, no problem, man. It's it's an honor. I've, I've done so many interviews. I don't think anybody has done more interviews than us. <laughs> the Force cast and Star Wars Action News are probably some of our uh, bigger interviews that we've done. That's definitely uh, gotten some attention for us. Thanks again. Um, I got a few questions for you here. Um, this interview probably won't be nearly as long as um, some of the other ones you've done. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I know. Some of them have been like uh, two-hour marathons, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
First off, uh, I just want to ask you, um, how uh, did the idea for the film originate? Well, the idea for The Force Among Us um, had kind of originated a couple ways. You know, of, of course, it was definitely born out of the depression that uh, all things Star Wars prequel were over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was uh, it was a year after 2005, and there was really no Star Wars. Uh, uh, there was no future of Star Wars, really, that was uh, in our faces, if you will. And um, I, I was just like, man, you know, it would be really cool if we can just kind of continue celebrating Star Wars and to do something new. And that, that's when my sister had kind of come up with just the idea. She just threw it out there, and she's like, well, let's do a film. And, of course, I was the guy that, you know, took her seriously and took it to the next level, and, and here we are, you know? Oh, that's great. Yeah, that um, that area right after Episode 3 was kind of a dark time because, uh, you know, like, oh, Star Wars, is it over? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that was something that I don't think we really thought about, you know, because it was like, after episode, first of all, it was the hype for episode one, and then we got that, and however everybody felt about that is everybody's own, you know, belief, uh, you know, but then after each movie, you would always wait for the next one, yeah, and then cool. here we go, after episode three, it's like, okay, now what do we wait for, you know? Yeah, what is there to look so forward it was to, definitely, yeah. yeah, it was definitely a dark, a dark time. 2006 was a dark year for Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Um, second off, um... What was your goal in making the film, or what did you want to show about Star Wars fans? Well, I, I'm such a big fan, you know. Um, for some of the people that are listening, I'm sure uh, if you followed uh, our story at all, you know, I was born on May 25th. I grew up on Star Wars. I lost my father, you know, when I was very young. Star Wars was the uh, thing that filled the void, if you will. So I felt very personally attached to the film, and I wanted to show uh, in our documentary that Star Wars is the one thing that we all have in common. You know, we, we're all so different. We come from different parts of the states. We come from different parts of the world, and it's Star Wars that bonds us, that brings us together, that puts us on the same page. And, of course, destroying the stereotypes was very, very important, you know, because it's human nature to be, want to be understood, and we did not want to make anything remotely close to Trekkies. I felt bad for the people that were portrayed as fans in the movie Trekkies. And so a lot of people go, is The Force Among Us like Trekkies for Star Wars fans? Not really, because it's a true story, it's a passionate story, and it's a, it's a high-profile, uh, high-budget film that was made for fans by the fans, you know, and it's not a comedy. Of course, you'll laugh uh, at certain parts, you know, certain parts of the movie are fun, certain parts of the movie uh, are deep, uh, very deep, very personal. Uh, so we wanted to just showcase what Star Wars has done and all the emotions uh, that are involved in, uh, in Star Wars and, and how they affect us as fans, you know? Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, you mentioned the quality, and one thing I really noticed, um, I went and uh, saw the trailer on your site, and uh, the quality looked uh, just top-notch. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We, sh we shot that on a 24P, and uh, we wanted to uh, to use, uh, use that camera because we wanted a warm feel. You know, we wanted a feel that was kind of similar to Episode 4, 5, and 6 versus 1, 2, and 3, and we were pretty much in the right place 
at the right time. Uh, the way that we ended up using the film crew that we had was simply asking my wife's cousin, who's been in the Hollywood business for years, for some advice. And he had said, you know, I'll give you advice, but I will also help you make this film. I will surround you with the right people, and, uh, you know, we'll make a great, great movie together. So if, if it wasn't for my wife and her cousin, we wouldn't have been able to probably make it this far. You know, uh, Frank Yario, he's the DP, he's the head of the film crew. He, um, he had a lot to do with, with getting our vision on the screen. And, of course, a lot of people go, oh, well, you just had family helping you, giving you the break. But, you know, it was really about our passion uh, that we had for the film. Frank doesn't have time to waste as he works for, you know, a lot of the big dogs in the Hollywood business. He was very uh, turned on by our passion and said, wow, you know, you guys are so passionate about Star Wars and its fans. I would love to make something uh, this great and, uh, and help you put it on the screen, you know? Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, and one thing that really interested me, too, is um, I understand you guys were actually able to go to um, Tatooine and Hoth, or namely uh, Tunisia and Norway. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, when the, the, the bit of Tatooine, uh, Tunisia, in the film is a trip that I had taken in 2005. So we we didn't necessarily we, we there's footage from my trip that was documented a couple years ago and uh, so we didn't really go there to film the Force Among Us but uh, my trip to Tatooine was almost that was after Episode Three came out so that was just another one of those things and and the other thing the third thing was I met George Lucas in London uh, that year so it was the trip to Tatooine meeting Lucas and the end of Episode Three that really you know, a year later, it's like, wow, now what do I do type of thing. And um, so the, the, the Tatooine footage is in the film that way. But uh, we actually had an honor to bring the film crew out. There was five of us, two Fints, uh, And it was an honor because the last people that were there uh, were Irvin Kirshner and Gary Kurtz, you know. Wow. So it was very... Uh, it was very emotional trip. It was very, uh, it was very heavy, man, to be a Star Wars fan making a documentary um, in the middle of the Hoth battlefield, you know, oh, yeah. and and staying at the hotel that the crew had stayed at uh, back in 1979, and that was a great experience. That was that was definitely once in a lifetime. It was half the budget. Uh, it wasn't in the original script. It's kind of a long story how we ended up filming there, but uh, it just worked out for the best, you know. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I'm obviously a huge fan myself, and uh, just going out there, I, I, I'm sure I couldn't resist running around, pretending to be chased by a whomper or something. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think that's the fun thing about it because you know the footage in our film is not about um, you know you're not going to see tauntauns and snow speeders running around, but it's about fans from all over the world being um, in Finns, Norway. 28 years later after they made uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And a friend of mine had seen the advanced uh, copy of The Force Among Us, and he had said that we really did a nice job, um, you know, bringing reality into the Star Wars fantasy world. You know, you, you get to see uh, Norway as it is, you know, without the special effects, if right. you will. And um, it, it was just, it, it was really, really great to, to be out there, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure the hotel was a, a cool place as well. 
Yeah, the hotel was awesome. I think the hotel was just as cool as, uh, you know, as the glacier itself because, uh, you know, we always read about so many stories about uh, Kirsch and uh, Gary Kurtz uh, out there. And, uh, you know, of course, being stranded in that hotel for, you know, how many days waiting for the weather to clear on the glacier, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we definitely ran into our fair share of bad weather, which which was, uh, was kind of nice because it was almost like a reenactment of, you know, uh, what the crew had, had went through. And, um, you know, we had one day to film on the glacier. Uh, when we got out there, we lost our The airlines had lost our luggage, so we were stranded in the hotel that way. My film crew uh, got in about three days after me. They arrived with all their stuff safe and sound. And the one day that we went out there, it was clear as day and, and we filmed out there for about 10 hours we came back with about 25 hours with the footage from the norway trip and um as soon as we stepped off that glacier the weather just went to hell uh so then we did the uh luke skywalker reenactment out of the back uh hotel you know oh, yeah. <laughs> out of the back door of the hotel so that that was really cool and that, that's actually on the bonus feature for the film nice did the Luke reenactment, and I was actually the one that did the Luke Skywalker reenactment, and uh, it was cool because they had a uh, rebel hat uh, from uh, from the Battle of Hoth, and the hotel has it in like a glass display case, and they were nice enough to let me wear it. So I'm like running down the hill, falling down the hill with the with the scarf and the goggles and the oh. and the helmet, and it was, I, I feel very honored to bring such a Star Wars like feel into the documentary. The force among us without the cheesiness of the scrolling text if you will that's been done over so many times you know we've you you when you watch the force among us you'll definitely realize some of the uh techniques that we used were heavily inspired by you know lucasfilm even parts of the editing process like you know the old school wipes you know that right. of course they used mm -hmm. in the prequels as well you know yeah i'm definitely looking forward to it uh, I, I got to ask you, what was your um, favorite experience during the shoot? Uh, of course, you might have just stated it, but uh, I got to ask you anyway. Yeah, I, I think, you know, overall, making this film from start to finish and even like promoting it right now and, and you know, doing this summer tour with, with all these conventions coming up and, of course, the film festival circuit next year, I, I look forward to everything. Um, one of the greatest things... Uh, uh, being part of the whole entire project, of course, is seeing our vision put on the screen, uh, being invited to Celebration 4 uh, in both Los Angeles and in London. But as far as filming goes, I, I would have to say filming in Norway was just, you really can't beat that, you know? But oh, yeah. but then again, you know, we did some really intimate interviews, um, you know, Dustin Roberts, uh, Dick Staub, Patrick Reed Johnson, and those were just done, like, in, in small studio areas. Uh, in the Chicago suburbs. Yeah. So I think each interview and each f filming experience is probably the same, but the one that I'll always remember and the one that I dream about to this day, of course, is filming in Norway. Oh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Dick Staub. I was actually really intrigued when I saw him in the trailer. Um, I have his book, uh, Christian Wis Wisdom of the Jedi Masters, and uh, that's a great book, and I, w I'm lo I look forward to hearing what, exactly what he has to say. Yeah, he... 
he, you know, it was funny because I interviewed uh, Staub for about three hours. It was the longest interview that I had ever done. Uh, we flew him out from Seattle because um, he was he was coming into Chicago for a business trip anyway. So I said, you know, why don't we just film you in uh, in the suburb of Oak Park in, uh, out of uh, Chicago? And uh, he was he was just great about uh, being interviewed. And some of the stuff that he had said just blew me away. I mean, I could do a whole documentary on him, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, there's definitely a, there's definitely going to be an element of controversy in our documentary. And I think Dick Staub is definitely one of those guys that is very outspoken. And he's just, he's a very open-minded guy. And he just kind of tells it how, how it is type of thing. Um, and and he, some of the stuff... You know, when when I saw the rough cut of the film, he wasn't in the movie enough. And now he's in the movie throughout the entire film. So I, I think people that have read his book are definitely going to enjoy uh, him in our film. And the good news is is that with the limited edition uh, DVD that we pressed, mm-hmm. he is. Um, we put a lot of his uh, like extended interviews as part of the bonus feature. Oh, great. So, but yeah, he's he's a great guy, and he was he was amazing to interview. You know. Oh yeah, um, and I, I also got to ask you, um, what it was your least favorite experience during the shoot? Well, I got to tell you, my my least favorite experience during the shoot. If you watch the trailer, you'll see the lightsaber guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we filmed him in Florida, and it was at the end of about a twelve-hour day of filming extras. And uh, actually, I've never told this story before. Uh, nobody's ever asked what's the worst. Uh, but um, we were in the garage in Florida, and it was about 110 degrees while we were filming this guy. Mm. And we were just so exhausted and so wiped out. And his interview was, it, it, it had good moments and bad moments. I think between the heat and the end of the day and the fact that we were just tired and and there were parts where like the door blew open from the wind and it was just like should we cut but no let's not cut because we'll use this for b-roll while he's talking and i think that was like one of those interviews where i was like man we're gonna waste our time but you know now he he made the final cut and and some of his interview is is very interesting for sure you know oh yeah um but i, I did want to ask you uh where can we uh buy the film or you know where will it be made available uh, if you go to the force among us dot com um, we we are at the tail end of our uh, pre order right now and during our pre order we are offering uh, free shipping and we are giving away free vials of sand from Tunisia that I had brought back with us. It's authentic sand, if you're into that sort of thing. Oh yeah, Tatooine and, uh, sand. And the DVD is shipped worldwide for 1977. That is our special edition DVD. Once it's gone, it's gone. Um, it has uh, lots of bonus features. I think about an hour's worth of bonus features on there. And you can order it right off the website. You will have to register as a customer and uh, just uh, choose the method of PayPal. And if you don't have PayPal, PayPal will take the credit card information for you, and we will ship these out in July. In July. Uh, you'll also be able to obtain these closer to the end of summer. If you go to our website and look at the calendar page, um, we will have these. I know we're going to have them like at Dragon Con in Atlanta. We're going to be down there. Uh, we're going to be in Gen Con Indy. Uh, we're also going to be a fan expo, which I'm totally psyched about. That is uh, Hayden Christensen's first convention appearance ever. Oh, wow. That's in Toronto. 
and uh, we are we are excited about that one just because we're we're fans of Hayden, you know. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really cool. We're doing a Q and A panel there, and we're going to be selling a DVD there, and we're going to be signing posters for free and, and giving out a bunch of free stuff as well. So. Right now, that's that's the only way to get the DVD is right through the website, theforestamongus.com. All right, uh, that's great. Um, uh, closing, is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners about the film? Anything special? Yeah, uh, overall, uh, I hope everybody enjoys the Force Among Us as much as uh, um, as much as we did in, enjoy filming it. Uh, I, I would expect that everybody will feel a personal connection to the film. And uh, it's definitely a celebration piece. It's it's all things positive about being a Star Wars fan. And there there is some controversy mixed in there. You know, there's there's the political controversy with the 501st. There's the religious uh, controversy with Dick Staub. Um, of course, Dustin Roberts has some controversy around him just for being involved in, in the two big dogs, such as the Force.net and Rebel Scum. Right. So everybody can expect... Uh, definitely a roller coaster ride while watching this film and um you know there's no film that's been done like this before uh last time anybody had seen tunisia or norway it was in you know the prequels for tunisia and of course uh, norway for the empire strikes back mm-hmm. and we really did a lot to bring a very authentic um Star Wars feeling documentary to the fans, uh, by the fans. So, and uh, help support the cause. This was not funded by some big studio. This was not backed by big, backed by uh, some big uh, financial institution. Uh, it was backed by us, the filmmakers, right out of our own pocket. So we uh, we appreciate the support by going to theforceamongus.com and ordering your special edition today. Oh, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you. Thanks for coming on. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me, and uh, we look forward to uh, m- maybe meeting up in person sometime. Oh, that'd be great. All right, take care, man. Alrighty, folks. Looks like i got a, a surprise guest in the studio via Skype with me today. Um, Dark Castle 75, once again, who was in our last show, has been kind enough to help me fill out this filler episode of... Uh, the stand cast so uh thanks for being on yeah it's great to be on again um doing nothing as usual so i'm always here to help <laughs> and since you're too lazy to do your own podcast you can just be on other people's yeah that's about the gist of it all right um basically all i said earlier was the show info please give us a call the usual stuff and uh played the interview which you got to hear before anyone else, that's the benefit of being on um, AIM at the right place at the right time chatting with me. You might get an inside scoop because I'm just like that. So you already got to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I did. All right, I got some stuff on uh, my show notes that I was planning for discussion on show seven, which you might um, like to discuss as well. Let me uh, pull them up. First thing is, uh, what the heck was that? Oh. Probably me going away. That's what it was. I was watching <laughs> uh, Star Wars Episode Six the other day with my little brother, and I love the movie. It's probably it's tied for second place with um, with Empire for me, 
And but there are some things that I notice that just get on my nerves every single time. And one of the main ones is when the the superstar destroyer, I guess it's the executor or executor that is one of those Star Wars things that will, you know, never be resolved is it Han or Han, executor, executor, whatever. Anyway, when it crashes into the um the second death star not only does the second Death Star look way out of proportionately huge because the executors, I forget how long it's supposed to be, when you look at it crashing into the the second Death Star, there is no curve to the surface at all. So it's like the size of a planet, basically. I mean, now I know it's supposed to be like a small moon, but it it just looks way too big. And the second thing is when it does crash... It's so obvious that they've got um, a gas jet or something doing the explosion because you can see the flames just shooting out of it. It's not; it just looks wrong to me for some reason. Well, it yeah, well you got you got to look at the technology they're using at the time. You got to give them the benefit of the doubt about that. Yeah, I I I kind of you kind of got to use your imagination on it going in and stuff like that and. Um, Really, in space, there would be no such explosion like that because the amount of oxygen required to make that explosion would not be on a ship that small. Right, but the uh, just the size of the the second Death Star itself was the main thing that bugged me. Well, I I I like it crashing in, to be honest, because it it just like it's the Rebel Alliance stabbing into the heart of the Empire. And it's kind of like a big moment, you know, a sign that everything is going to be good for the Rebels and good is going to return. Right. But, yeah, I, I like the concept of of it crashing. But what I was saying is just the size that they portrayed the, the second Death Star as. I mean, there's literally the executor crashes and there's a pretty big wide shot, but there is no curve at all to the surface of the Death Star. And from what I understand, from measurements I've seen, that you should see just a, at least a little bit of curve to show that you're not, I mean, it just looks out of scale to me. Well, I'm looking at actually the picture right now, and I mean, I think they've adjusted it on the newer, uh, on the newer releases to, like, they've probably bowed out the picture a little bit. But yeah, there they tilted the camera a little bit to give it. I, I, to be honest, I hate the surface of the Death Star. It just looks so plain, and I, I don't know. It's it just seems way too massive. You're right. It is too massive, and I don't know. Yeah, it's just one of those things that bugs me. Another thing that intrigued me and kind of grossed me out um, in the Jabba's palace. Uh, the dance scene before the special edition dance scene um, the, the char- it, there's what's her name Ula and then the fat the fat dancer are like it's just they're finishing up one then they go into the special edition now apparently according to a, a book I picked up at uh, or I was just reading at the bookstore uh, essential guide to alien species apparently not only is she fat, but she apparently has six boobs as well. Now, that was just kind of weird. 
Well, you know, it's a galaxy. You know, there's many different types of species. Maybe that's attractive on another planet, but not on this one. No, except for a select few, or maybe not so few, uh, sick people on this one. I'll keep my opinions to myself. Good man. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there was another scene that I noticed, too. Now, I'm kind of being a um, CJ from IHN and nitpicking, but, you know, whatever. It makes for good conversation. Um, when Lando's flying the Falcon in the battle above Endor, and he goes, draw their fire away from the cruisers. The next shot, what is he doing? He's circling around in front of, I think it's a Mon Cal starship, causing the pursu- uh, pursuing TIE fighters to not only shoot into the ship, but to crash into the ship. Now, that always struck me as kind of strange. Um, I don't know if it's exactly the TIE fighters that he's saying to draw away from the cruisers. I think the um, he was talking about maybe the big guns on the Star Destroyers. I don't know. I know the cruisers have particle shieldings, which will prevent like damage from like TIE fighters um, crashing into them from happening. Uh, I really the. The, the battle, it, it's so limited, it shows very little damage on the ships at all, when really, like, if you look at the Battle of Coruscant, there's ship pieces everywhere, and I I, I kind of wish they'd me- remake the battle and add, like, more effects to it to make it look like a real battle. Yeah. I, it just seems too clean for me. Yeah, I would love to see them go back and add something like, you know, a Star Destroyer and a Mon Cal exchanging broadsides, that'd be pretty pretty sweet. Well, if you look, um, if you load it down during the battle, uh, you can, you actually see a frigate and a um, Star Destroyer going alongside one another, and there's a little bit of shots going across from one another. Um, but not, not, not on the scale that they describe these ships of being able to do it. Yeah, and not being able to do, and certainly not in the scale of the battle over Coruscant, where it was just, you know, the blowing uh, pieces off each other with every shot. And if you look at the battle itself, I mean, they, it, it really, it was a lot bigger than they actually show. I mean, there, uh, it says that there was fifty Imperial class star destroyers, and then a verse like. 20 Mon Calamari star cruisers, you know, and that I really think that they could actually go back and add more scale to this battle because it, it's, I think it's kind of lacking in actually showing how big this battle really is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when they show them jumping into hyperspace, basically all they show is one of each starship. I mean, they got one Mon Cal. I mean, I think there's a couple blockade runners and then the, the medium-class transports, but you only see a handful of cruisers jumping. And I'm sure that, I don't know it, how, I'm not real clear on the um, the logistics of this one, if they all converged on it, or it would make more sense that they did actually mass near Solace, I guess it was, and then jump but it only shows a handful of them jumping into hyperspace, and that was kind of weird. Yeah, I that that is true. I the the whole jumping, like I thought, wow, they got a really small fleet to be doing what they're saying to be doing. I I I don't know the 
it's sort of like the last battle at the end of KOTOR. Like, it looks like the Re um, Republic fleet is incredibly small. And then if you watch the cutscenes, it's like all of a sudden they got like 20 more ships than they actually had in the beginning. Yeah, and uh, the way the Sith fleet, uh, the Starforge or whatever, was pumping out ships. I mean, you're in the Starforge Star watching these fighters just launch or rise up out of that thing. It's like... Dude, there's got to be a buttload of these things by now. And, you know, whatever. It's a video game. I'll give it some, some leeway. Yeah, I just, I'm just i just trying to make it like comparison on the lack of scale they can show. I, right. And I was thinking I don't know even in, the, in KOTOR, they probably had more. It'd be, uh, I don't know, more possible for them to to show a larger scale because you know they've got the the technology to do it now, and you know the cutscenes. I don't know. You're you're definitely right. They could have shown greater scale in the uh, in the battle cutscenes. For those of you out there that don't know what we're talking about, it's called Knights of the Old Republic. It's a fantastic Star Wars game. Uh yeah, probably my all-time favorite, right up there next to uh, Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about with Episode 6, then, then you're probably not going to understand most of our show. Go out and watch the movie. It's a very good one. Actually, watch the whole series. Yeah, have you ever heard of this? Uh, these movies called Star Wars? Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. We, we, we like them. Read the books. <laughs> All 103 novels or whatever it was you posted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me that posted it. 103. I I counted. That's not even the ones that are coming out still. Yeah, and then you got all the the um the youth novels or whatever and the and then the comics on top of that and uh that that adds up to a lot of uh EU. Yeah, and a lot of money out of my pocket. I think I've spent 15 It's a big investment being a fan of a space movie. Yeah, and we know what's funny is right when you were saying the amount, I heard 15, it cut off, and then it cut right back into you saying something about an investment. So we don't even know how much you spent. Oh, $1,500. Wow. Yeah, I, th I have, I counted them. Yeah. I counted mine, and it. I think I have 14 of the novels right now. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Slowly but surely, I'm getting them as I find the ones that I like. I've got, of course, the the Thrawn trilogy. Um, I've got the Jedi Academy trilogy. I've got the Hand of Thrawn duology. Um, I've got the first four in the Legacy of the Four series. I've got Dark Saber and... While on vacation at the beach, there was a little, one of those library book sales where they're selling paperbacks for 50 cents. And I got one of the Black Fleet, uh, Black Fleet Crisis trilogy, um, Shield of Lies or something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten into that one yet. I, I need to catch up on the Legacy series first. Yeah, I'm not going to even describe what books I have. I... <laughs> well, you worked at Media Play. I'm, 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 I'm... No, I practically lived there when I was going there and buying them. Oh, okay. I see. You didn't work <laughs> yeah. there, you just uh, lived there. Uh, basically, they. Uh, I, I go in and they wouldn't even bug me. They just, like, if I was looking for a book and they didn't ha have it, they'd 
come over and finally ask, uh, can we get you something? And I'd be like, when's this book coming in? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, here you go. This is when it's coming in. I'm like, thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah I um, I have been going to Barnes & Noble's, or Barnes & Noble, whatever the heck, in our mall, uh, picking up a Star Wars novel or paperback every time I can. So it's, I just basically get the, the paperbacks because I can't afford the hardbacks. Seven dollars a piece I can live with, but anyway, you get some strange look when you're sitting there in the sci-fi section, leafing through Star Wars books. Um, you know, even from the people across the aisle reading these stupid—well, I say stupid—I I might offend someone, but basically romance slash fantasy slash sci-fi books. It's it's kind of weird. Well, um, I to- I told you this, but I'll just share with everybody. I was standing in the Star Wars aisle with my Star Wars-related T-shirt on, and my phone rings, and I've got the Star I've got a Star Wars ringtone, and basically everybody in the area was like staring at me and rolling their eyes. Really, I, it was a proud moment. Yeah. I answered my phone. Hello, this is Master Castle. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, well, at least Skype's working. I'm having to configure my recording software. It's got a recording limit on it. <clears throat> uh, anyway, but yeah, uh, as far as oh. I don't have Star Wars. Well, I do have the Star Wars ringtone, but I only have it for when certain people call, and it's like I think I've got Binary Sunset, but actually that brings up something on my show notes. I was listening to uh, TP Cast. Uh, it's a guy actually on my boards and IHN's forums, uh, Qui-Gon's Jin. He's got his own show. It's uh, mainly revolving around, he does some videos. Um, actually, it's him and two other guys. They do they do a Pirates of the Caribbean spoof. He does some edits together, some Star Wars music videos and such. But anyway, I was listening to his show, and his phone went off, and it was... Um, the Cantina song, and uh, you hear the other two guys laughing in the background at him. It was pretty funny, but I was like, you know what? You just gotta wave your Star Wars fandom in their face and be proud of it. Yeah, I hear, I hear you. It's um, it, either uh, people will accept it or they'll just um, have to get over themselves because I'm not gonna be a non-fan, and they're not gonna make me not be one. Yeah, I'm definitely way too... Did I say that right? I think so. I understood what you meant. <laughs> there was actually... <laughs> Five seconds later. Um, I was actually listening to another of uh, Star Wars podcasts. There seems to be the the so-called Big Four or Big Five, whatever. Uh, one of them is Voice of the Republic. And they actually did give us a shout-out in one of their latest shows. Might have been two shows ago now. I'm not sure. So uh, thanks for that. Thanks for the little bit of plugging you gave us by mentioning our name. <laughs> and we'll plug you right back. Voice of the Republic. Check them out on iTunes. Good Star Wars podcast. Uh, not for the kiddies. Just say that. I think they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, they're very opinionated, and I, I enjoy it. Yeah, they're definitely really good and really funny. 
they their discussions are really well thought out and they can actually go on for a long time <laughs> and it, it's really interesting stuff it cut me out again all right well it seems to be working okay except for the occasional cutout i guess <laughs> yeah I I can definitely see this um, is working a lot better than last time. Do I, I I don't sound high, do I? Uh, what's up? How are you doing? <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. My sister got a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got a kick out of it when I was listening to it a few days later. Yeah, but um. Anyway, so there's a shout-out to Voice of the Republic podcast. Check them out. Oh, yes. Uh, something I didn't say at the beginning of the show. iTunes reviews. We have, last time I checked, we have three. And one of them is from Dark Castle 75 himself. Thank you for that. And one is from uh, G-Wing, who's on our board. You're welcome. Is on our boards as well. One is from Dooku Man, who is also on our board, so uh, appreciate that. Uh, luckily, they're all five-star reviews, so that's that's always nice to see. So, uh, Also, some of you may be listening right now one, saying to yourselves, Wait, I, uh, I already left a review. Yeah, if you didn't uh, maybe didn't understand what we were saying before, we had to switch our RSS feed. And iTunes didn't cooperate, so we had to resubmit it. Once we did that, it wiped out all of our previous reviews. We were up to seven, and then they had to wipe it out. And now, you know, we're back up to three, and I'm confident we'll get back up to seven and more. So if you could do that for us, it would be great. Alrighty, um, I had a rant scheduled on here, and it has to do with something... Uh, well, a problem you know well, because uh, you've experienced it. Uh, what when I was having problems with it is my internet. Um, for a while, and especially if you listen to show six, you'll hear. Oh yeah. You'll hear Dark Castle uh, on Skype, and like you said, it kind of sounds like he's high or cutting in and out or whatever, and. It was frustrating, and then it got worse. There was a point where we couldn't even browse or open up a web page. Strangely enough, it worked on Instant Messenger or AIM or whatever. It worked on that fine, but most of the time it would not open up or you know a web page. And sometimes it would work great. It would work nearly as fast as DSL cable. Uh, or by, by the way, I didn't mention this. It is the uh, satellite so-called high-speed internet that we use out here because we live way out in the country and I think you have to be within 10 miles of a station to get DSL or cable. So anyway, sometimes it will work nearly as fast as uh, regular high-speed and then it, it wouldn't work at all. So we're like, okay, what's the deal? So my dad finally called one night, found out that they put a cap on your downloading, like if you were uploading, it wouldn't affect it. But once you download 200 megabytes worth of data in in that day, they 
cut off your main bandwidth and put you in another category, which is basically slower than dial-up. And most of the time wouldn't even work. Uh, needless to say, both me and my dad were not happy. So do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I would first like to say I enjoy my cable internet very much. I would also like to and, say uh, shut Beyond up. that... <laughs> <laughs> is but my anger coming that, across um, well now? Can you hear I, my anger now? I, I I think that's total crap. But I have no idea what you're saying. Can you feel my anger now? Uh, I can feel your anger. Good. I guess. Anyway, back to your thoughts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I think that's total crap. What they're doing with you guys. Um, it's, it, I mean, you guys are paying for the service. You should get it whenever you want. And it, this is just another, this is, this is just a way that they all get money and then they'll, they'll offer you a newer, faster service at a higher rate and then you'll, oh, yeah. get, you'll get the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they said, oh, well, if you want to upgrade to the business package, which is only another 100 megs, which brings us up to 300 megs, that'll cost you this much. Yeah. The, that's, that's a typical ISP for you. Um, I, uh, it's, it's all just a screwed up system. Like, I'm sitting here in my room on wireless, and then if I were to turn on the other computer, it kicked me off wireless, and... It's just it, it's just crap like that. Really, it would kick, it's, um, it would kick you off wireless. The internet should be accessible to everybody. Oh yeah, I have to I have to reset my uh, IP address all the time. Does it to my dad's laptop as well, which by the way is a fantastic laptop. Don't be doing that on my show. Oh, you mean how Microsoft is better? And, oh, looks like we lost Dark Castle 75. Sorry about that, folks. Um, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's always good to have another opinion on the show. Mine is that... Uh, Never. <laughs> mine is that Windows doesn't hold a candle to uh, to the Mac operating system. But that can be... Well, look at me. I I'm recording with two Windows running machines right now, so... <sighs> I'm caught in between a rock and a hard place, I guess. You're, you're caught in between a uh, superior system and a uh, too expensive system to buy. Right, are you referring to the too expensive system? Are you referring to a Mac in that one? Well, you, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, All have right. you seen the prices of the MacBooks lately? My uh, well, listen to this. All right. Comparing to, like, a Toshiba, <laughs> not, not to Adele. All right, here we go. Uh, a MacBook, uh, granted it's 13 inches, or 13.3 inch screen, um, it has a 2.16 gigahertz Intel Core 2 processor, plus 2 gigs of RAM, plus 160 gig hard drive, plus some shared uh, VRAM, plus uh, integrated wireless in, plus integrated Bluetooth, um, with a... Um, infrared remote, not to mention the iLife uh, package on it, which includes uh, a video editing software, which 
is miles ahead of anything Windows has offered. It comes with um, GarageBand, which is one of the best in uh, recording anything. You know, it comes with all this included, and that'll run you around $1,500. Well, despite some of the software, you can you can get a pretty good um, system with, like, a, a, a dual-core system and the same RAM and stuff like that, and... It's changeable parts and such, you know, uh, that runs on on Microsoft for for less than that. And yeah, sure, it doesn't have those um, snazzy features, but I mean, base for basic computing needs, it's if a film Microsoft has fulfilled what uh, Mac has not. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that they're cheaper, but what's that old saying? You get what you pay for. Well, uh, yeah, that that is true, but. You know, computers—they're only going to be up to date for how uh, for how long until you have to replace it. So, I mean, you can get a $600 laptop that is pretty—it's um, a pretty good system—and then a few years later, you know, later with wear and tear, you're going to need to get another system. And it, you can get you can get a $600 laptop that's even better. I mean, I—I I, I don't know. I don't see a need of spending. Fifteen hundred dollars on a computer that I'm just going to replace in a few years. Yep, that's true. But uh, let's see, who was it, Ian, that spent fifteen hundred dollars on Star Wars books? Are you going to say Star Wars is? Um, <laughs> no, but I had to bring that up. That, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> How much have you spent on Star Wars? Oh, Star Wars, not just the books. I uh, don't even want to think about it, to be honest. Not oh no, everything combined. Um. Really, actually, it hasn't been as much so, as so really, you might think, <laughs> but it's been a, a good chunk of chunk of change, I'm sure. I, I think really we're all paying the same for it. You want the more expensive system, but I want the more stuff for my hobby. Right. Yeah, and you know, every it it comes down to basically, uh, you know, whatever serves your needs best. Um, you know. I want mine for, you know, recording and doing some multimedia work and you know, that's a lot of people, you know, and it's true, Macs are more suited for that type of thing. Not that they can't do other stuff as well as Microsoft, but they're definitely geared more it seems towards multimedia uh editing, you know, music recording, whatever, anything like that. And the OS seems to be a bit more stable uh, or a lot more stable even than the latest two offerings from Microsoft. Now micro the Windows 2000 was a pretty stable OS. Uh XP it 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 still gives me trouble and Vista still has a long way to go until they get theirs uh worked out, but I guess that can be expected of pretty much any new OS. Have you used Vista? I have actually played around with it a little bit. I don't own any Vista running computers because, you know, I definitely don't want to put, put it on them right now in the state it's in. I, uh, actually, that's an interesting story. I went to a Best Buy. I was looking at the new laptop, and, of course, they're all coming with Vista. Three out of the five laptops on display had locked up while running screensaver and you could not do anything with it, so I thought that was kind of amusing. Well, um, my dad's laptop runs on Vista, and it's um, 
It's yeah. It's it takes some getting used to, but I mean, it's if I I think it's a little more solid than XP can be. I've had some serious issues with XP, but um, it's it, I I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It, it is a new OS, so it's gonna have little quirks and stuff like that. Every every new device always has little quirks. Oh yeah. But um, I I, I don't know. It 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 it's just a completely different system. Yeah, uh, they and what's funny is they actually took, uh, you know, cues from the Mac OS. If you look at, say, like I think uh, Vista has a sidebar with uh, widgets on it. You look, Mac um, OS 10 has been running that for a while, and just the overall the eye candy included in Vista uh, pulls a lot from the Mac OS. So they're they're getting more and more and uh, more and more alike, it seems, and you know, it's to be expected, I guess. Well, they both take ideas from one another. I mean, it, there's there's certain things. If it works, you use it, and I mean, that it's gone that way through the entire computer industry, and also it helps with like users. Let's say in a classroom, they use computers in like my physics classes, but in my other classes, we use Windows, but I can easily get on a Mac and know what I'm doing. Right. Uh, yeah. The um. In fact, it, what's cool about uh, Mac is releasing their new OS, uh, 10.5 Leopard, this October, and it's actually coming. All their new stuff will be coming preloaded with uh, Boot Camp, which basically is you you partition your your hard drive on your Mac. This much will be for the Mac OS and this much will be for the Windows OS. You have to provide your own copy of a Windows OS, whatever. I'll probably put 2000 on it since we have that disk already. And you you can boot up as either a Mac or a Windows and it runs just like a Windows. And it's it's a lot better alternative for running games and such than like Parallels where you actually run Windows programs within the Mac. And that works good for smaller programs, but if you try to run a game on that, um, it probably wouldn't work that well. So it's cool they're coming preloaded with it, and all you got to do is provide the OS. So that, uh, that'll be good for some of the games that I have, and I won't have to go out and spend twice as much on a Mac-ported game. Well, um, yeah, a few of my friends have Parallel, and I, I thought that was a neat idea. Uh, I have seen several MacBooks with uh, running on Vista, and I, I have to say it looks pretty good. Um, I re I'm, I'm sure they'll probably switch to Leopard when that comes out, but I, I don't know. Really, if when the whole PC versus Mac thing, Mac is a computer company. PC is a huge number of companies that all make computers that run Windows. Windows runs on, I mean, it runs on everything. So basically, it, I, I kind of sometimes think the whole PC-Mac thing is a little ridiculous because Microsoft is a program, not a, uh, it's not, a, it's a program and, and software company, not a, um, not a computer builder like a Mac. That's true. Um... And although Apple repeatedly says or tries to say that oh we're a software company, they definitely do uh, make their own hardware. And but you know they're definitely focusing, especially lately, on on the software. Of course, they've released stuff like the Apple TV and iPhone and stuff like that. But and they actually just released 
Safari for Windows. And that looks okay, but I actually downloaded it and tried it out. I'm not using it. I'm sticking to Firefox because, you know, it it seems to be a bit more stable. And, you know, I, I was wondering why would they release Safari for Windows? Why do... Why do Windows users need yet another browser? Um, but And then I was listening to some podcasts, and apparently for the iPhone, in order to develop apps for it, the uh, Apple has said, okay, well, you can develop it to run on the Safari that's built into it because uh, they didn't want to open up the phone for people to mess with the, you know, the basic, I guess, code of it. So they said, you can run it through the browser. So by w- releasing Safari, which is Mac's um, browser, or Apple's browser, I should say, for Windows, that gives these developers a chance now to test their apps out on a Windows machine. Well, um, to be honest, I love Mozilla. The, it, Firefox is just, it, it rules. I mean, that's all I use. I hate Internet Explorer. Um, yeah, you're right. I, there's no reason. There's no reason to download another browser. I mean, you're, um, I got something that works. It doesn't screw up as much. And um, I mean, I, I don't know. Explorer has too much junk on it, and I don't know about this. I really don't. I know too much about uh, Safari, and I, I can understand, it, you know, them trying to work with the systems, but I, I don't know. I why don't they just stick with iTunes? iTunes works. I like iTunes. In in fact, like that. yeah. It, what's strange is Safari looks very very similar to iTunes in the way uh, the appearance is. Um, and while looking at the the new videos that they released of the new OS, the new Finder for Mac looks pretty much like you're running iTunes. You browse through your your uh, documents just with CoverFlow, just like you would. Why can't they just run it off of iTunes? Well, it's basically they're using that same interface now. So, like, your sidebar where you got your iTunes, now you've got, okay, it says your iPod and then your playlist, and then, like, if you got another person on your network, that whole sidebar with the new Finder, it looks just like that, and you've got your network drives, you've got your hard drives, you've got your applications, everything separated out like that. So it looks just like iTunes, and it looks pretty cool, and, but it's going to take some getting used to, that's for sure. And, you know, they've got the new quick look feature to where, like, if you use, especially, like, CoverFlow, like, if you, in iTunes, you use that view to uh, scroll through your album art covers or whatever, and you do this with your documents, and you can basically view the document right there. You don't have to open the program, even with video files. So that's something they're pushing as well, and it, it looks to be cool. However, it's going to take some getting used to because it's pretty different. The the Finder hasn't been redesigned in a long time. But anyway, that's kind of my little Apple fanboy going off. I don't know. I guess it might bore a lot of people, <laughs> except for Chris uh, from IHN. What? The, the other Chris from IHN, who's... Uh, also an Apple fanboy, this might interest him a little bit, although he knows more than I do, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, I'm trying to see how long we've been recording, but it's not saying on here. Yeah, you're... Yeah. What was that? Hello? 
would you say? You, uh, you're fading out. You're, uh, oh, so it's better now? Am I talking slow? No, no, no. It sounds good. Uh, can you hear me all right? Uh, yeah, it's better. Yeah, there's just a little bit of lag. Yeah, it's about five seconds or so. I guess we could live with it if each of us uh, talks a good deal whenever it gets to our turn. <laughs> uh, but anyway... I guess I should stop with my uh, Mac Microsoft thing now, <laughs> so I don't lose all all of my listeners, all all ten of you out there. There's more than that. You said you said there was forty ten modes. Yeah, I know that it tends to be about that. Uh, like for instance, Show Five has gotten close to. I think I lost 60, you again. Sixty five. Can you hear me now? Can you? Can? you? I can hear you. Yeah. I don't think I ever lost you. Can you still hear me? Uh, well, uh, it, yeah, I can hear you. It's just fading in and out a little bit. Hmm. Maybe it's my wireless or yours. Hang on. Yeah, my internet might be going uh, again, so we could we could probably just wrap this up now uh, to save us some grief and frustration. <laughs> yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. All right, well, um, I think we've talked for over an hour. Yeah, probably have. Well, um, thanks, Starcastle, for being on again. It was uh, it was a lot of fun talking with you again, and glad it worked better this time. Yeah, I'm glad it did too. Um, it was a good time. Um, I'll sign off now. I'll let you do your clothing stuff. All right, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks again. All right, goodbye. See ya. Uh, thanks again for being on, Darkcastle. It was fun. Um, anyway, this has been longer than I expected it to be. Uh, I, th- I expected kind of a filler episode, and uh, it turned out to be a great deal more than that. Uh, once again, you can leave us a voicemail at 252-557-1694. Uh, you can visit our site at www.standpodcast.com. That's S-T-A-N podcast.com. There's a link to our forums there. Um, there's... I can't remember exactly how many members we have, but there's a, a, a decent amount of posting going on. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm usually on there every day. And so you can get in contact me with it, with me um, that way as well. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so to comments at standpodcast.com. Or if you have any host-specific email um, to send us, you can do it by sending it to me at robert at standpodcast.com or if you want to send to Kyle who I promise we will have on show 7 um, like I said he's been really busy he regrets that he you know, can't do the show but it just hadn't been working out and him having dial up doesn't help things either so Skype's not working that well for us but you can send stuff to him by sending it to kyle at standpodcast.com um Thanks again to Chris Mott for being on the show, and be sure to check out theforceamongus.com and uh, pick up a copy of the film. Uh, Thanks for listening, and look for Show 7 coming at you probably in uh, two weeks or so. Uh, Thanks again, and may the Force be with you.
<laughs> 20 seconds later, I laugh. 